Good morning. Welcome this morning and welcome to December. Let's take a moment and prepare for our hearts and minds for worship as we listen to the prelude. Please join me in the call to worship. We gather this morning with joy and thanksgiving. Keep the fire of your spirit burning in us. and Let us hear your prophecies with fresh ears. With hearts full of anticipation, we await your coming, O Lord. Let us worship the Lord, our God.
the first Sunday of Advent. Advent means coming, and in this season we get ready for the coming of Christ. One way to do this is by making an Advent wreath and lighting the candles around it to remind us of the gifts Christ brings to the world. The Advent wreath has many symbols to help us think about Christ and his gifts. The wreath is the shape of a circle. A circle has no beginning and no end. This reminds us that there is no beginning and no end to God and that God's love and caring are forever. The light from the candles, which grows stronger each Sunday in Advent, reminds us that Jesus is the light of the world. Today we light the candle of hope. The people of Israel hoped that God delivered them from their enemies. And again and again, that's just what God did. We too have the same hope of salvation. Hope is like a light shining in a dark place. As we look at the light of this candle, we celebrate the hope we have in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Thank you, God, for the hope you give us. We ask that as we wait for all your promises to come true and for Christ to come again, that you would remain present with us. Help us today and every day to worship you, to hear your word, and to do your will by sharing your hope with each other. We ask it in the name of the one who was born in Bethlehem. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning as your dearly loved children. And we are grateful for so many things. For the opportunity to come and to share this morning with those that we care about. We come to offer our worship and our praise and our honor to you. Father, I pray as we do that, that you would receive that. And it would lift you high. Father, we're also grateful for our church, for the opportunities that we have to serve. Father, remind us of those, especially as we enter into the time of Advent, where so much has been done and so much has been given for us. Let's take a moment in silent prayer. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now the prayer of preparation and confession. God of peace. You send light into the world in the birth of Jesus Christ. Yet we confess that we have not followed faithfully the light you gave us. We have not searched diligently for signs of your love or trusted fully the goodness of the gospel. We have failed to live into the promise of your son's birth as we have refused to spread his peace on earth. We have expected little and hoped for less. So forgive our doubt, God. Renew us a desire to watch and to wait and to hear, once again, more glad story, the Prince of Peace. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we know God's word to be true, and in his word he promises us that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us for that sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us remember that and let it affect the way we live. Amen. Let's stand and greet those that are around us. We welcome you to worship this day and those who are watching this service online or on Facebook. Glad to have you with us. If you're seated on the inside aisle, if you'll take the pew pad that's in front of you, sign yourself in and pass it on down. If you're visiting here today, a special welcome to you. There's a place on the pad where you can give us your contact information as well. 
I invite you to turn to the color page in your bulletins there, which is our synopsis of announcements. There's another whole two pages of announcements uh, in there, things uh, that are going on. You'll notice the big thing is that we are two-thirds of the way through our stewardship campaign. There's the red thermometer there. Uh, if you've already sent your pledge card in, thank you so much. If you have not, we're trying to make it easy. They're right there in front of you in the pews. And also you can go online onto the church website and make your pledge there as well. Tons of things happening, of course, during this holiday season. On Wednesday night, uh, we have the caroling. Uh, following the tree, the tree lighting ceremony across the street, we invite everyone to come over here and to join for refreshments and singing of Christmas carols. We'll come back later on in the service to the announcement about the Christmas concert. There is an alternative gift market that's starting for the next two weeks, a chance to give gifts uh, to, to loved ones where the money goes for good causes. Also, we have this year, the deacons have 15 families that we have up for adoption. Your family can adopt a family and provide a Christmas for them. You'll get a card which has the details of the ages of the kids in the family, the kinds of things that they, they would like to have. And then you can just set up to have a family. We hope that you can sign up today to take one of our 15 families that we're hoping to adopt as well. Tonight at 5 o'clock, Will Adams is going to be giving a talk about his uh, his voyage, his, his walk on the way to Compostello, uh, Santiago de Compostello. It was a spiritual pilgrimage that he took, and tonight at 5 o'clock in the chapel, he'll be talking about that and showing some of the artwork that he did on that as well.
is the first Sunday of Advent, and it's traditional to read this passage about John the Baptist, which comes to us from Luke chapter 3. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the reason of Arturea and Traconus, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, in the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region about Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be brought low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways shall be made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. May the Lord bless to our hearts and our minds this reading of his word. Well, it's three and a half weeks to Christmas. Some people, you know, really, really joyously anticipate Christmas, and there are other people who endure it. Some delight in Christmas, and others dread it. What's the difference between those two attitudes? I think it might have something to do with preparation. You see, to really celebrate Christmas, not just endure it, we need to prepare. Preparing for Christmas has nothing to do with shopping early, making lists, getting cards in the mail, decorating. It's something you do for yourself. We prepare for Christmas by asking questions like, what do you want out of Christmas this year? Not what do you want for Christmas. What do you want out of Christmas? from Christmas. What do you want to have happen in your life and in the lives of others? The text, John says, prepare the way of the Lord. Get ready. Prepare. But what, what is there in us as human beings that resist preparing? That instead of preparing, we prefer another P word, procrastinating. It's much more fun, isn't it? You know, I lived in, nine, in Miami nine years, and I got to see this annual drama play out of preparation versus procrastination. June 1st is the beginning of hurricane season. It lasts till November 30th. That's half the year, not a season. And in the 1st of June, the newspaper always puts together an article, how to be prepared for hurricane season. The things that you need to have stored away, the food, the water, the batteries, all that kind of stuff. And, and yet, uh, when the hurricanes start to come, it's, there's an interesting thing that happens. Now, hurricanes, I have to say this for them, they're very polite natural disasters because they give you a lot of advance warning. You have four or five days ahead of time. There's a, out in the, in the Atlantic Ocean, there's a little thing on the news that's spinning like this, and they, they, they're calling it a tropical storm. It's not a hurricane yet, but it's a tropical storm, but it is heading right to your town. And, and, and they, they tell you that we can tell by the speed that it's going to get here on Thursday. 
So what happens on the night before the hurricane arrives? Down at the grocery store, thousands of people that are down there, Home Depot, they're all down there getting the stuff that they've known for months that they were going to need to have when the hurricane came. Now, I don't want to sound too self-righteous about this because, you know, last month when PG&E told us ahead of time that they were going to turn off the electricity, they gave us three or four days notice that you, you're maybe losing your electricity. It was gonna, they, they said it was going to stop on Wednesday morning. So at the McNabb house, where was I on Tuesday night? I was down at Ace Hardware. I realized that I didn't have any batteries for the flashlights. So I go down late in the afternoon on Tuesday to Ace Hardware. And what do I find? All of Piedmont is down there. <laughs> they're all down there. Nobody, and their batteries are all gone. The flashlights are gone. The little lanterns are gone. Everything's gone. Because we all waited to the last minute to get what we needed to do. It's important to understand that your preparation is something that only you can do. You can't really share it with other people. I mean, imagine this. Imagine that Steve Main and I decided that we are going to run a marathon together. We're going to train together. I know this is hard to imagine, but... Uh, <laughs> But, but we're going we're gonna to train together, and we're, we start six months in advance. And every day, Steve runs a little bit farther, a little bit farther, a little bit farther. And then during the, those six, same six months, I sit on the couch and watch sports and eat potato chips. So when the day of the marathon comes, and Steve and I line up together, and we start, and along about the second mile... He's doing great, and I am totally dying. The fact is, it doesn't matter how much Steve wants to help me, how much he cares about me, how much he loves me. The one thing he cannot share with me is his preparation. It's the only, something that only we can do for ourselves. So we have to, to celebrate Christmas, to get the most out of it, we need to begin our personal Preparation. No one can do it for you. There are several barriers to being prepared for Christmas. I just want to mention to you. The first is the barrier of giving without receiving. We know that giving is important when it comes to Christmas. It's a time of giving gifts. But it's just as important to learn how to receive. To receive gifts. To be able to be a receiver is very, very important. When I was a kid... I went to my dad one time and I said, Dad, you know that passage in the Bible where Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive? He said, I'm familiar with it, yes, uh-huh. I said, well, I have a list of things I would like to receive. <laughs> and I'm strictly doing this because I want you to get the blessing, the blessing of being a giver in that way. I think he realized that I didn't quite have Jesus' spirit in my heart there. But some people just aren't very good receivers. You know, oh, don't get me anything. I don't want anything. No, 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 nothing for me. You know, that kind of a spirit. I don't want to receive anything from anybody. Will Willimon says that we prefer to think of ourselves as givers, powerful, competent, self-sufficient, capable people whose goodness motivates us to employ some of our power, competence, and gifts to benefit the less fortunate, which is a direct contradiction of the biblical account of the first Christmas, there we are portrayed not as the givers that we wish, but as the receivers that we really are. 
Luke and Matthew go to great lengths to demonstrate that we, with our power, generosity, and competence, had little to do with God's work in Jesus. God wanted to do something for us so strange, so utterly beyond the bounds of human imagination, so foreign to human projection, that God had to resort to angels, pregnant virgins, and stars in the sky to get it done. We didn't think of it, understand it, or approve it. All we could do at Bethlehem was receive it, a gift from a God that we hardly knew. The first barrier to Christmas is failing to learn how to receive. Another barrier is hiding too well. Fred Craddock loves to tell the story, I've told some of you, about when he was a kid growing up on a ranch in Oklahoma. A lot of brothers and sisters, a lot of cousins, and they'd all get together and play hide and seek. And he was the littlest. So he was able to find some really good hiding places. One time he found a place underneath the steps of the porch. Crawled all the way underneath there. Nobody could see him there at all. He's there, crouched down there. He's thinking, they'll never find me here. They'll never find me here. And all of a sudden, wait, they'll never find me here. So he puts a little hand out, stretches it out there so that somebody will see him. He discovered that hide-and-seek is not fun if you never get found. It's hiding, seeking, and finding that's important in this game. I know some adults that hide too well. I've known people that have hidden too well. Something wrong in their life. Maybe they have a disease like cancer or something. And they don't want to share that. They don't want to burden other people. They don't want to talk about it too much. So they just sort of keep it to themselves. Keep it quiet. Don't want to complain. And then when, and then people, when they, at the funeral, everyone says how brave they were, how good they were to not complain. But secretly inside, some of the family are angry. Angry that that loved one did not trust their strength, did not trust them enough to be able to hold with them their pain and their difficulty and their problem. Didn't give them enough chance to say goodbye. Adults too often hide too well without knowing the importance of being found. The other barrier to Christmas is the same one that they experienced the first Christmas. Mary and Joseph, no room in the inn. Sorry, no room. Only it's not the inn, it's our calendar. There's no room in our calendar for the space for God to come in and be with us. And to make Christmas a spiritual experience. There just isn't a place for God to come in and do that. The busyness takes over. And busyness causes people to do crazy things. Clergy are no exception. Heard the story of a minister who parked his car in a red, no parking zone in a large city. Because he was short on time. And he couldn't find a a, a real parking space with a meter So he just parks in the red zone, and he puts a note on the windshield that says, I've circled the block ten times. If I don't park here, I'll miss my appointment. And he signed it, forgive us our trespasses. 
When he returned, he found a citation from a police officer along with this note. I've circled this block for 10 years. If I don't give you a ticket, I'll lose my job. And he signed it, lead us not into temptation. <laughs> Thomas More has a book called On the Monk Who Dwells in Daily Life. And he says this about life nowadays. Modern life is becoming so full that we need our own way of going into the desert to be relieved of our plenty. Our heads are crammed with information, our lives busy with activities and phone ringing and those kind of things. Our cities are stuffed with automobiles, our imaginations bloated on pictures and images, our relationships heavy with advice, our jobs burdened with endless new skills, our homes cluttered with gadgets and conveniences. We honor productivity to such an extent that an unproductive person often feels like a failure. It was interesting, just yesterday morning I was reading the uh, San Francisco Chronicle, and there was an article on the same exact thing. There's this woman, uh, and her name is Jenny O'Dell, and she lives in Oakland. She spent, uh, every day she would go to this place that I had never heard of called the Morecambe Rose Garden in Oakland, and she would sit there, and she would just do nothing. She would listen to the birds, just sort of be there, you know. And after doing that for a whole bunch of time, uh, she, she developed a little talk that she gave that, that went viral, like a TED Talk kind of a thing. And then she wrote this book called How to Do Nothing, Resisting the Attention Economy. By attention economy, she means all the ways that society tries to grab our attention through electronics and technology and tries to, almost uses our attention as a, as a type of currency. And she wrote this book on how to do nothing and it sold like crazy. And she says, now I'm totally busy because of a book that I wrote about not being busy. <laughs> and and she's, she's trying to get people to understand about, uh, with a new definition of the word, what does productivity really mean? Well, sometimes it's, we always think that we have to justify everything by showing our productivity. But the ability to do nothing, to have a space in your life, is something which will allow then God to come in and be with you on this journey, this particular journey toward Christmas. And then there are bridges. What are the bridges to Christmas? The things that keep us going there, that, can, that make us get there? Well, first we have to understand that preparation has no shortcuts. You know the bicyclists that enter the Tour de France? They come from all over the world, different countries, but they don't practice in their own country. They, have, they go over to France and they ride the exact route of the Tour de France. The only way to really prepare to be in that race is to ride those roads. You don't just have to be in shape. You have to know the route. There's no shortcut to that sort of preparation to be in that part of the race. And then finally, the most important thing is to have your priorities in order. We have in this whole thing that we call Christmas a whole bunch of stuff. And some of the things are really important and some of them aren't. And it's very easy to focus our attention and our priorities on the peripheral things, 
and forget that this is really about sharing God's love with your family and friends, sharing the love of Christ with those relationships. That's what it's about, and all the decorations and the food and everything else is not the priority. So part of, for us to really experience Christmas, we have to get our priorities right. We have to have a new perspective on what's important. I've told some of you the story about Glenn Adset, who was a missionary in China during the early days of the communist revolution there. He was under house arrest. They had taken the missionaries, kind of put them in like a house arrest type of situation, trying to decide what to do with them. And he was glad to hear that instead of going to jail, that his, he and his family, his wife and his two children, they were going to be deported back to the United States. They told him that he was to get ready for deportation, that they were allowed to take exactly 200 pounds of their possessions with them. Can you imagine if somebody said to you, everything that you own, just whittle it on down to 200 pounds, and everything else you lose, and that's what you keep. He said there was a little arguing in the family. He wanted to take his typewriter and some books. His wife had some Chinese vases that she wanted to take. The kids had their toys they wanted to take. But they worked it all out. They decided, they weighed everything, 200 pounds on the nose. The next day when the army men came for them, they said, is everything ready? He said, yeah. Did you weigh everything? They said, yes, we did. They said, did you weigh the children? Did you weigh the kids? Glenn Adset said, in that moment, with that question, a totally new perspective came. All of a sudden, the typewriter and the books and the vases meant nothing. They were worthless. It's that kind of shift in perspective that we need to understand what Christmas is about. They, they got a new perspective on what was really important. May the Lord do the same to us in this Advent season. John the Baptist said, Prepare the way of the Lord. So may we prepare our hearts and our minds for the advent of the Lord this Christmas season. Amen. Good morning. While we make a handbell switch for the next piece, I want to take this opportunity to show you this. This forbidding inanimate object is a music score, and it's filled with nothing or at least nothing that matters, because all it is is just black marks on a paper. And it only comes alive when we actually play it. And we only play it when everybody's here, because as you know, and you know what I'm talking about, the Christmas concerts that are our tradition here are a shared experience with audience and full choir and full orchestra and all of the volunteers who make the reception happen. And it all starts happening this coming weekend Saturday and Sunday nights at 7 o'clock, and our tickets are on sale where the coffee is this morning. This year's theme, every year we have a theme, this year's theme is not just music, but musical instruments. And so it's almost a Where's Waldo. You can take a moment with each 
uh, carol that we play or each uh, song that we sing and see if you can pick out the reference to musical instruments. They're everywhere. This is a wonderful tradition. It's a great way of starting your Christmas and your holiday season. It is for me, and I hope we'll see you there. Last year we sold out both shows, so make sure that you and your friends have your tickets, and we'll see you this next weekend. Thank you.
We have the privilege to come to the Lord's table this morning. And I want to remind us as we come that it is the largest table in the world. That it is open to every single person on the planet. With no restrictions, no you're in or you're out, but it is for us all. And I want us to remember this morning that the reason we celebrate this table has everything to do with us. It has everything to do with our Savior, but we would not have needed Him if it wasn't for us and our sin. Let's take a moment and just ponder that as we prepare to partake. And now if you would join me in the great thanksgiving. Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. And lift them up to the Lord. It is good to give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give God thanks and praise. And now we prepare the elements to partake. And on the night that our Savior was betrayed, he sat with his disciples around a table, and he took bread and he broke it. And as he broke it, he said, This is my body that is broken for you. Every time you eat of it, do it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup. And he said, Every time you drink of this cup, do it in remembrance of me, for it is my blood that was shed for you. So as we come and we partake, let us remember and let us give thanks. Would you join me in the prayer that our Savior has taught us? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As we partake this morning, I invite you to come as you're led down to the center aisle and take the bread and dip it in the cup and remember and give thanks. And then you can return to your seats on the outside aisles. Come, for all things have been made ready. Let's conclude communion by reciting together Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, he leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.
brothers and sisters, I remind you that as you go forth from this place, especially having been here at this table, you go forth as representatives and ambassadors of our Lord Jesus Christ. So live your life this week in such a way that wherever you are, when people see you, they'll see Christ living in you. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and always hold you in the palm of his hand. Amen. Go in peace.